Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. I want you to notice that first statement, and the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. I simply want to use as a subject tonight, this this phrase, the spirit and the bride. The spirit and the bride. We've been talking about evangelism, been talking about making an impact upon this world, reaching out to those around us, being cognizant of what God is doing in these last days. And so I wanna I wanna speak a little bit more to that end. It's good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. Let's lift up our hands to him again and let's pray together that God would touch and help and bless in this service. Jesus, we need your anointing. We need your blessing. We pray, God, for your touch, your help, God. We understand that we are nothing without you and that we need you, God, to speak and move and work in this place. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here to feel your presence, to hear from your word. Bless it all to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want to say right here from the outset that I don't pretend to be an expert when it comes to the subject of evangelism. But along with you, I am striving. I am yearning. I am hungry to be used of God. I have always longed to to see uh, a work for God done wherever I was and whatever availability was uh, there for me. I wanted to be used of the Lord wherever he would open the door and whatever ministry that I was working in throughout the years, I've always known that it's the will of God that we be used of the Lord in whatever way that we can to impact our world and to make a difference that God did not just save me or you just to be a fixture in the church or just for our salvation alone. But uh, every one of us have an obligation to fulfill the Great Commission. Every one of us... Uh, have an obligation to be used of the Lord and uh, not just to be uh, one to receive and to be given to, but also to be a blessing and to give out. I believe that that is what God has intended for each one that he has called. Uh, But I confess to you that I have been tremendously stirred of late in particular. I've always felt that burden, always known that that is our purpose, but I have been stirred more so lately. 
concerning evangelism, concerning the church's role in reaching the world around them. Our responsibility, you and I, to the lost that we come in contact with every day. If I understand this Bible correctly, it is us that God is going to use as instruments to affect this world. It is us that God is going to anoint. We are going to be His voice. We're going to be His hands and feet in this earth. We have His Spirit on the inside of us. And uh, we need His Spirit. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here tonight. We need His Spirit to direct us. For Jesus said in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15... Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is the Great Commission. And that is our responsibility. That is what you and I are to be doing as we await the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe, and and I feel like most of you would have to concur with this, that the coming of the Lord is near. I feel the urgency of it. If you don't feel the urgency of it, you must have your head in the sand. Uh, you, you, you must be out of it some way. If you don't feel the urgency of, of this hour that we're living in, we're living right up on the cusp of the coming of the Lord. And uh, if we're going to do anything for the kingdom of God, it must be that we do it now. If we've ever been stirred, if we've ever had a burden... We must be about the Father's business now. And uh, according to this particular text in Revelation chapter 22, we must work in tandem with the Spirit of God. We know that the Spirit is working. We know that, that the Spirit is the element that is essential for anybody to come to God. In fact, In John chapter number 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man come to me except the Father, which we know it's a reference to the Spirit, which has sent me draw him. Uh, Nobody just barges in. Nobody makes force entry into the kingdom of God. Nobody got into the church without the Spirit first drawing them. First compelling them, moving upon them. And the Spirit of God moves some way. Uh, Sometimes it moves in ways that is forcible. And uh, it it, it shakes us to attention. And uh, there's no doubt that that God is, is moving in that situation. And then there's other times that it can be easily missed if you're not sensitive to it. Uh, The Spirit of God at times woos. It woos people. It compels people softly to come to God. And it's always astounded me and baffled me how that it seems that that God gives more opportunity to some than He does others. At least that's the way it appears on the surface or through my eyes. And I understand that my ways are far beneath the ways of the Lord. And I'm not questioning God and what He does. But it seems like there's some that that just receive more chances or opportunities than others. I see some people that that it 
it just appears that they are obstinate and they don't want to live for God, have no desire to serve the Lord and God, yet still deals with them and moves upon them and shows mercy to them and services and and uh, people that God places in their lives and the burden that he places upon those people to pray for them long after they have rejected God many times. He's still reaching. He's still stirring their heart. I'm thankful that I serve a God that is merciful like that. That his mercy endureth forever, the Bible says. I'm thankful that I'm not serving a God that is that is uh, one that says, well, I, I gave you a chance. I gave you an opportunity. I moved on you, and you did not respond. So that's that, and you can just be lost as far as I'm concerned. But my Bible tells me that it is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's his will that this city be shaken with revival. It's his will, just in case you're wondering that, that people that you're around every day that are lost without God be saved. That is the will of God. It's his will that that, that person that you think is furthest from God, it's his will that they receive this glorious experience of the Holy Ghost. That is the will and the purpose of God. And it seems like God repeatedly deals with people and moves upon people. I I remember a man in revival that uh, was coming to the services and, and conviction was so strong and powerful and God was moving in such a forcible manner night after night and it was almost as if uh, his heart being so hardened that maybe even it appeared that he took pride in, in, in standing back and rejecting the move and the reach of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you that's a dangerous place to be. Anytime God is reaching out and expressing uh, His desire to, to, to have fellowship with us, we need to be responsive to it. It doesn't matter if we're saints or uh, somebody that's away from God or does not know God. If God has given you an invitation you need to receive that invitation. You need to respond to that invitation. You need to be sensitive to that invitation because that's a very sacred thing when God moves upon us. Uh, we don't need just to shrug it off and feel like that it's owed to us or that it's always going to be like this. I think sometimes those of us that have been around the church for a little while, we can adopt that attitude that there's always going to be a move of God. There's always going to be a visitation from God. Well, I can tell you that it's not always like that. I have prayed for people and pled for God to move on them again and allow them to feel Him again. And they've looked up at me and said, I want to feel God, but I can't feel Him like I used to feel Him. Is there any hope for me? And, and all we can do is... Is, is pray for the mercies of God in that situation. What am I saying? I'm saying when God moves on you, you ought to respond to that. When God convicts, when God stirs your heart, you need to respond to that. When God's presence overshadows and hovers over a place, you need to realize God is moving. God is working. And I want to be sensitive. And I want to be open to whatever God wants to do in that moment. Hallelujah. 
And uh, that man, it seemed like, just, just was obstinate. He didn't, he, he at that time in his life had decided that he didn't want God. And he was just coming there at the beckoning of some family members. But he knew about church, and he knew because of those family members, he knew about the things of God and even had experienced the Holy Ghost in his youth. And uh, though he was away from God and had grown hardened in his heart towards God, uh, he knew what it was like to feel the presence of the Lord. And the Lord would begin to move on him. And in that service, this was his testimony. He said in one particular service, he said it was as if when the altar invitation was given and I'd already decided that I wasn't going to respond just as I hadn't in other times before. I wasn't going to go to the altar. I wasn't going to pray that day. And he said it was the Lord that gave me a vision. And he said I, I saw like a coupon book like you would receive uh, or like you used to receive when you financed a car with all the coupons in it. And uh, he said... Uh, there was uh, just uh, the payment stubs that were left there over to the left and, and then the perforated place where there had been uh, coupons torn out and we got down to the last one. He said there was a large hand that reached down and tore that last, uh, that last coupon out of that coupon book and wadded it up and tossed it away. And uh, as if to speak to me, that this was my last opportunity. This would be my last chance. Needless to say, that man had enough sense to realize God is speaking to me and I better respond to it because apparently this is God's last time to try to reach for me in this state of mind. If I reject Him again, I'll receive no more opportunities. There'll be no more conviction felt. There'll be no more stirring on my heart. I want to tell you when God's presence moves upon an individual, it's time to respond. When the Spirit moves upon a person, it's time to respond. The Bible talks about times and seasons and visitations from the Lord and how that there were those that missed their time or their hour of visitation. It also tells us in the book of Ezekiel about a group of people that was saying, uh, what is this proverb? Uh, you know, we, we, we've heard that uh, you're going to put off uh, your hour and time of visitation and that uh, we can always prolong our response and we can always come at a later date. And he, the Lord spoke back and said to them, what is this proverb uh, that says that you can put off the time of visitation or you can speak and say, tomorrow I will. I want you to know that today is when I'm moving. And today is when you need to respond. I'm going to tell you when God's Spirit moves, it's then that we have to respond to what God is doing. Just to think that it's always going to come back around is not the proper attitude. I was preaching revival in a little town, and it's really a nondescript city town in Mississippi, Sebastopol, Mississippi, many years ago. There's a great church there now, but in those days, just a, a fairly small congregation of people. And uh, uh, we were in a revival, and there were several young people that were coming, and they were sitting on the back 
pew during the revival. I remember one Sunday morning, the Lord moved upon my heart, and uh, I, I preached. Uh, I remember the title of the message that I preached. I preached, Chance Demands Choice. And I was making an appeal. I didn't realize just uh, how uh, that service would go or just how critical it was to the people that were there, particularly one young man. And, uh, you know, a preacher doesn't always realize. Saints of God does not always take into consideration that when people sit on these pews on any given service, it could very well be the last service that they're ever in. It could very well. I know we don't like to think in those terms, but I'm going to tell you we ought to approach every service with that kind of attitude. We ought to worship in every service with that kind of attitude. We ought to pray in every service with that kind of attitude. We ought to hear the word of the Lord in every service with that kind of an attitude, knowing that this could be the last time that we're ever here in the presence of the Lord. The Lord could come, first of all, and then we don't know. James said our life is like a vapor, just a wisp of smoke. It's, it's something that seems like it's, uh, it, it's so... It's so formidable, but I'm going to tell you, it's not really. It's, it's something that is almost fleeting. It just uh, is going away with each minute that, that, uh, that the clock ticks. And, and each hour that passes by, opportunities and, and life is fading from us. And we have to realize that. And so I was preaching in that particular service and... In that particular service, there was a young man along with those young people sitting on the back, and I felt a particular burden for him. And I went back to where he was, and I began to uh, talk to him and began to try to persuade him to come to the altar. I had preached uh, that God was, was visiting and God was moving, and we needed to take advantage of the opportunity that he had afforded us and that young man got down between the pews and he prayed a little bit, but he didn't really make a lot of headway. And I said, come on, Andy, why don't you come down to the front with me and why don't you make a declaration? Why don't you make some changes? Why don't you, why don't you yield yourself to what God is doing in this service? And he simply refused to do it. And I didn't see him that night. Revival was on Monday night. And I think that evening, on Sunday evening, he had worked. He was a respiratory therapist at the local hospital there, a nearby hospital in Carthage, Mississippi. And uh, anyway, uh, we, we were getting ready for service on Monday night. The uh, back doors were opened, and I was in the sanctuary, and I was praying. The back doors opened, and there was a young man that came in and said, The pastor wants you... He wants you to come, if you can, immediately. And uh, he said, it's Andy. And I, I didn't know what he really was talking about and made my way out. I knew that that young man just lived less than a half a mile down the road from the church. And I made my way down there. And when I arrived, they were carrying him out on a stretcher through the front doors as he had overdosed on drugs. And I will never be able to wipe from my memory standing in the emergency room and after they had declared him dead on arrival, his mother begging and pleading with 
the pastor and I to go into that room where he was lifeless and pray that God would, would raise him up or God would show mercy or God would do something as she fell down before that pastor at his feet and began to plead and, of course, to, uh, you know, to soothe her, to be a comfort to her. We went in to the room, but uh, he was just lying there lifeless, his eyes already fixed, staring at the ceiling, and they had been working on him, and you could see the effects of all of that. And uh, all I could think about is, oh, just, just 24 hours a little bit more ago, that young man received an altar call. And, uh, you know, uh, none of us like to think of things like this, but it's necessary we realize that each service, each service is critical. Each moment in the presence of the Lord is critical. And we need an urgency about us. The Spirit was compelling. The Spirit was moving. The Spirit was inviting that young man, Andy, to an altar. And I can't help but think, did we as the bride do everything that we was supposed to do? Did we as the church do everything that we could do to make sure that we were working in sync with the Spirit to give that young man the best opportunity that he could possibly have to find God? Come on, we need to consider these things. We need to, we need to realize, hallelujah, hallelujah. Some people, they get, it seems like God moves and God shows mercy and God continues to deal with them. And there's others, it seems like they only receive one opportunity or one chance to find God. But nobody, nobody comes unless the Spirit moves on them and invites them and stirs them and begins to compel them to come. In, in the book of Songs of Solomon, a very strange book in your Bible, really it's an allegory. It's telling about uh, a bridegroom or a man that is seeking a bride and, and he's, he's doing his best to woo and to draw and to cause her to fall in love with him. And in the first chapter, in the fourth verse it says draw me and I will run after thee draw me and I will run after thee and then it talks in different places about him standing behind the wall in another place behind the lattice and uh, in, in, in his own way he's, he's speaking to this, this lady and trying to compel and she can smell the fragrance and she can hear the softness of his voice. What is the allegory? What, what is the message? It's, 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 the, it's the, that, that bridegroom that is compelling and trying his level best to begin a relationship and cause this individual to fall in love with him. And uh, saying just enough to spike an interest. Uh, doing just enough to, to cause there to be an arousal of passion within this young lady. And he, he manages, of course, uh, to do that. I'm, I'm preaching to you that we, we come as he calls us, as he deals with us, as he moves upon us. As I begin to look through the scripture at, at God calling people sometimes, as I've said, it's, it's, it's in unique ways. 
Moses minding his own business on the backside of a desert, having separated himself from everything in the past and saying, I don't really want anything to do with it. I'm just going to live my life and be at ease here. And then he looks across the desert and he sees a bush that is burning and it continues to burn. It's not consumed. And he feels something smote his heart. He feels drawn to come and draw near to that burning bush. And as he does, he hears a voice emanating from it. And the Lord speaks to him and tells him to pull off his shoes. For the ground that he's standing on is holy ground. And God begins to call him out of that wilderness into a higher place and purpose that he had for him. And that's the way it works. How many times have we seen it? As God visited the prophet that was discouraged and decided, you know, uh, maybe God's done with me. Maybe maybe God is, is not going to use or anoint me any longer. And the Lord led him over to the opening of the cave that he was dwelling in. And as he began to look out, he saw wind blowing and fire falling and lightning striking and all kinds of dramatic things. And, and uh, the Lord was not in any of that. But the still small voice that spoke to him as the Lord began to woo him and draw him and said, I'm not done with you. There's a work that I want to do. There's something that I want to anoint you to accomplish. I'm I'm talking to people in this room. It's not just uh, when God calls us out of darkness originally, but we need to yield to the call of God all along the way. We need to be receptive to the voice of God. We need to be listening for Him to speak to us. And to hear his voice. Not just when we get into this thing. But I want to keep listening. I want to have an ear that's attuned to the voice of God. I want to be sensitive to God to speak to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our voices to him right now. Let's give praise to him right now. Psalmist said in 27 and 8. When thou sayest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, O Lord, will I seek. When God begins to compel and begins to draw, when God begins to deal with people, and that's the way it works, you can't come unless He gives you an invitation. Unless He speaks to you, you just can't enter in. But he's always enticing and he's speaking. But the scripture said the spirit and the bride. The spirit. The spirit is doing its part. It's important that the church get in sync with the bride and do its part. Hallelujah. Our part of this. The spirit can move upon people. The spirit can compel people. But we got to do our part not to grieve the spirit. We've got to do our part not to quench the Spirit. We've got to be obedient to the Spirit. We've got to be linked up with the Spirit. The Bible said they that are led of the Spirit, they are the sons of God as the church. We've got to be led of the Spirit. We've got to be directed of the Holy Ghost. We've got to allow the Spirit to use us. Use us in prayer. Use us during the worship. Use us in the altar service. In all areas, we've got to allow the Spirit of God to use us. We've got to get linked up with that. 
That's why we do some of the things that we do, and I'm going to talk about them a little bit tonight. It's because it's the Spirit of God that is working, but He is going to use a vessel just like you to compel folks and move through you to speak to people and to help and encourage people to be able to find God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. The Spirit is moving and the Spirit is working and and there's times when the Spirit is, is having its way in a church service. And it's what we do as a church at that moment. It's what we do during that period of time, that hour, hour and a half, two hours at the max that we're here in the service. Are we being sensitive? Are we being used? Are we being linked up to the Holy Ghost like we need to? Evangelism is more than just persuading someone to come to church. Really, that's only half of it. Once they get here, once they get here, we have another job to do. Uh, we, we've got to be sensitive to allow the Spirit of the Lord to use us during that time. And so I want to I address some of the practical responsibilities of the bride. I want to talk about some things that we need to do and also some things that we need to refrain from doing. Some habits that we can get into that are positive and some habits that we need to get rid of. Some things that we do that really, really uh, can contribute to souls finding God and then some things that we might do that could cause people, if we're not careful, maybe we do it unintentionally. I don't believe anybody wants... Uh, someone to be lost as a direct result of our inattentiveness or our, our lack of uh, sensitivity or what have you. I don't think anybody wants anyone to be lost here. I don't think anybody purposely would cause anybody to be lost. But we can do it unintentionally if we're not careful. We can cause people to miss their hour of visitation, if you will, their, their moment in the presence of God if we're not careful. So I want to talk about some of those things. What about our lifestyle outside these doors? What about how we live our lives outside this church? You, you, you say and, and people know that you attend this assembly and then your lifestyle does not, not portray uh, what it should. Uh, you... You are supposed to be a light, the Bible says. You're supposed to be the salt, the Bible says. You're supposed to be someone that is a witness, the Bible says. But if your attitude is just like everybody else's in the world, it's not a very compelling attitude. Amen. It may get quiet for a little while, but that'll be okay because I, I want to do what the Lord has laid upon my heart tonight. Hallelujah. It's important that we live a righteous lifestyle before the Lord. If you're involved in things that you know is ungodly and unwholesome and you, you live a different life outside these doors than what you portray to live inside and what you claim to be, uh, then you're not fooling anybody but yourself and you very well could be responsible for someone's soul being lost. Amen? Uh, backsliders don't need you to go out and do the things that they do with them. They don't need you to engage in the conversations that they engage in. 
They don't need you to go out and participate in the same sins that they participate in. You're a stumbling block to them ever coming back to the house of God if that's the way you live your life. If you go out and do the things that they do, you're a stumbling block. Their blood could very well be on your hands. And you need to realize that I've got a responsibility to them and to everybody that knows me. Not to be perfect, uh, but to live uh, as best I can according to the Word of God. And to live a righteous and godly and repentant life before the Lord. And a repented light before the Lord is not one that repents here on Sunday night and goes and lives however it wants to live Monday, Tuesday, through the rest of the week. You just live whatever life you want to live. That's not, that's not being what, I, what I'm talking about, a witness to somebody. Amen. And what I'm talking about is very important. And I know and what I feel right now that there's folks... That, that need to shake yourself. If you get out and you agree with everything negative that a backslider has to say about people or uh, things concerning the church, uh, well, that's about the foolishest thing that I could think of anyone doing. Amen. Or if you talk something negative about the house of God, the church, or anybody in the church, that's foolish of you to do that because that could cause them to be lost. You need to talk about the good things of God when you're around people that are away from God. Come on. You talk about everything you can that's good about the church and the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. You talk about the blessings of God and how God has enriched your life and how God is is able to help us and God is able to be there for us when we need Him. Oh, I thought everybody would be on their feet right now. I thought everybody would be clapping there because what I'm preaching right now is the truth. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. That is the best thing you could do is to live a consistent and godly life. Don't think you're going to win anybody compromising with them. Don't think you're going to win anybody by going along with them. Don't think you're going to win your lost loved ones by going along with their sin and practicing it alongside them. You need to stand up for what the church believes in. You need to stand up for the Word of God. They may be testing you to see what kind of resolve you have, what kind of commitment. If this is really real, I wonder if they'll stand for it. I wonder if they'll live it. Not helping them when you go along with all of those things. You're not helping them when you go back on the things that you taught and that you've stood for in the past. Oh no, you got to keep standing for truth. Amen. What about our attitude? Come on, I'm getting down to the nitty gritty here tonight. What about our attitude? If our attitude is just like everybody else in the world, somebody cuts you off and you want to fight them. On the next, at the next light, you want to fuss with them and roll your window down and argue with them and whatever else you may do. I hope you don't do that. I hope you don't do that. And I hope you sure don't do anything more than that. If that's the attitude that you have, what kind of witness is that? <laughs> I remember a friend of mine uh, was. He said uh, he was he was driving down the road and. Uh, Somebody uh, got angry with him and uh, drove up beside him and kind of got red in the face. And he said, I let them go on by. And he said, I noticed on their bumper there was a sticker, follow me to such and such church. 
And he thought to himself, I don't know if I want to go or not. <laughs> and so, you know, you think people don't know, but they do know. You know what I found about our, our town here is, is that it's, it's big enough that you're, you're, you're not going to run into everybody that everybody don't know one another. But usually, uh, while people may not say anything, they generally know. And I'm, I'm continually surprised at people that will call me by a name that I don't recognize in this town because they associate me with this church. And or uh, maybe I met them a long time ago or witnessed to them or whatever and, and have forgotten it. And I've often thought, you know what? A person better be on his toes in Texarkana because uh, people are going to know. They can, they, can, they can tell. You may think you're sliding by, but that's not the case. What's our attitude? Is it the right attitude? Is it an attitude that is attractive? Well, you're on your job. And I realize everybody has bad days and, and, and all of that. Everybody's human beings. I understand all of that. But, uh, you know, we ought not to be hateful. Come on, is that, is that all right? Holy Ghost people are not hateful folks. Not in a bad mood every day. Come on, there, it can't be an every day that you're in a bad mood. It can't be one of those deals that you, you know, people, they don't know how to take you from uh, one meeting to the next. I don't know which side of the bed they woke up on. I'm, I'm walking on eggshells around them. Come on with that kind of stuff. If we got the Holy Ghost, we ought to have the joy of the Lord. Yeah. Amen. You ought to have a smile on your face. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost to change your countenance. Matter of fact, some of the old timers, when they talked about the Holy Ghost coming on people and the Holy Ghost... Uh, you know, they, 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 of course, the, the only sign of the Holy Ghost is you'll speak with other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord. The only, that's the initial sign of the Holy Ghost, but that is, of course, not the, the only sign that, that somebody has gotten the Holy Ghost is they'll begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit in there is long-suffering and gentleness and patience and love. Hallelujah. Come on. We, we bear the fruit of the Spirit. We, we, we want the gift and we want the power and we want the anointing and we want all those things. But I'm going to tell you, it's, it, one of the most simple things you need to understand is I need to bear the fruit of the Spirit in my life because it doesn't matter how much power I got on Sunday. If I don't walk this thing out the other six days of the week, it's not much of a witness to anybody. Well, let's talk about it in our homes. If your home is a battlefield, you need to think about that. You need to change that. Well, that's the truth. You show respect one to another. And that's the way it ought to be in the church. You know, visitors and Yes, they watch how we treat one another. We show respect for one another. If you walk by people and you can't speak to them, you, you, you got an issue. I said, if you can't speak to somebody, you got, you're swelled up over something, and you, you need to get that right because you're going to be lost. Hello? I said, you're going to be lost if you don't get that straightened out. And the spirit can't move. And again, blood could be on your hands because the spirit can't move in that kind of an atmosphere. And thank God I don't know of any situation offhand 
that that is going on, but I just felt like I ought to hit it just in case anybody's thinking about it. You're you're thinking, planning on it. Premeditating it. Forbearing one another. You know what? There's some things I don't care for that you may like. Some colors that you you, you may like a, a pink Cadillac. I don't like a pink Cadillac. I wouldn't have one. I had a preacher friend one time. He went to an auto auction. And he was out there, and he called uh, Brother Dykes, who knows a lot about cars. He said, man, there is a white Cadillac out here. It's selling cheap. He said, I, I think I'm going to buy it. He said, he called him later, said, I got that car. He said, only thing unusual about it, he said, it's got a, he said, it's a, uh, you know, it's a white Cadillac. And he said, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, got a tint to it. He said, the more I look at it. He said, does that car, does it have cloth and tear? He said, yes, sir. He said, uh-huh. He said, you got you a Mary Kay car. <laughs> and so the more he got to looking at it, he did. He had bought him a Mary Kay car. And so he sold it to his nephew. <laughs> you, you may like Mary Kay car. I don't... I, I don't like Mary Kay products, and I don't want a Mary Kay car. You say, praise the Lord. I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, but I don't, I don't. You may wear a pink shirt, but I'm just not into it. Amen. And I don't think you got to climb a tree every November to be a man. I'm not saying that, although I enjoy it. But I'm just, I'm just saying we all have likes and dislikes. We all have things that we care for, but we're we're here forbearing one another. Showing love and appreciation, respect one for another. And I know I've talked about this before, but I just feel to talk about it again. So our attitude towards one another, people's watching that. Our conversation, people's listening to it. We ought not be like the National Enquirer. Amen. It's kind of thinning out on the amens here, but how do we treat people? Are we inclusive or are we exclusive when it comes to people? Somebody shows up and we want to, come on, we don't have any hazing in this church. This isn't a, a sorority that you've got to pay your way into. Come on. Everybody gets to come to an altar. Everybody gets an opportunity to repent. Everybody gets an opportunity to find the Lord. Everybody just the same gets an opportunity. Hallelujah. Everybody ought to be treated the same. Everybody ought to get the same chance. Because there's no big eyes, little U's in the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, it seemed like that's the very thing that got the devil kicked out of glory is that he said, I will ascend above the throne of God. I will be like the Most High. God's got a way of leveling things, getting us down to size if that's our attitude. So our lifestyle outside the church, how we live our lives, 
you got one way of dressing here and another way of dressing when you get out there. Boy, it's really going to get tight here. That's okay. Do you got a, another way of talking in here and a, some other way out, out there in the world? Come on, am I teaching tonight? This is what it's going to take if we're going to reach souls. We have a responsibility in creating an atmosphere, number two. It's our responsibility. That's what pre-service prayer is all about. we're, We're taking this 20 minutes or so before service. That's really about what it is, 20 minutes or so if we're on time. It's 20 minutes that we're taking and we're preparing the soil of our soul and our heart for the Word of God and that God would use us and that the atmosphere would be set and would be right so that God can move and have His way in the church service. And it's important. Come on, it's important, folks. And so pre-service prayer is not just something that is optional. It's something that we, we feel very, very important. Uh, to the success of us reaching souls. And so we, we pray and we don't visit. And we don't use that as a time to catch up and, and use that as a time to talk to somebody uh, or, or run back and forth to the restroom 20 times in a 20-minute prayer meeting. And, uh, you know, all of that. We, we've, got to, we've got to use this time to get a hold of God. And, you know, you need to pray. And, and maybe you don't don't understand this exactly what to pray for so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what to pray for pray for the anointing pray for the anointing on the music pray for the anointing on the songs and the singers and the musicians pray for the anointing on the ministry of the word pray for the anointing to be particularly on the altar service pray for anointing to be upon you as you worship God pray that you would be responsive and, and you would be obedient and sensitive to the spirit pray that God would lay people in that service upon your heart so that you could help and encourage and be a blessing to them and lift their hands up while they're in the battle Pray that God would touch sinners and people that don't have the Holy Ghost and people that need a renewing in the Holy Ghost, people that may be discouraged that they would receive an uplifting word in that service so that they can make it, so that God could touch them. Pray, pray that God would move in a mighty way and pray that God would touch and use His Word to speak to His people. Then when it comes worship service, we ought to be set on ready. Nobody, we ought to be like a jack in the box. Amen. I mean, it shouldn't be that we got to be pumped and primed and come on, folks, let's do this, let's do that. Uh, no, we ought to. We ought to come in the service. It ought to be natural. We want to raise our hands. We want to clap our hands. We want to. We want to do whatever we need to do to lift up the name of Jesus. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing? Because we know that the Lord loves loves worship. He inhabits the praise of His people. He lives in Judah. And when people begin to praise God, an atmosphere is created where the Spirit of the Lord can move. It's in a worship service that people are here. It's in a worship service uh, that people are touched. It's in a worship service that God can encourage someone and uplift someone and renew somebody in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And then when it comes time for the preaching, we just shift gears right into that. When it's preaching and teaching time, we support it 
Your amen is, is the agreement to the word of God. Your, your preach it or hallelujah or whatever it is in whatever way that you respond to the word of the Lord. You know what that's saying? That's saying to the sinner that the preacher is not the sole person in this place that believes the word of God. But all these folks that are here, they believe the word of the Lord too. They believe this to be so. They believe what he's preaching from the Word of God. They believe when he's preaching Acts 2.38 that God still saves, that God still delivers. When he's preaching about healing, they believe that God is still a healer, that God is still an answer of prayer, that God is still working. Preaching of the Word of God goes forth. I'm going to tell you, it's a whole lot easier preaching in an atmosphere when people are hungry for it. And the Spirit of the Lord can move in that kind of an atmosphere. It's kind of like the fellow that had the mule that was blind. And somebody was coming down his road in a car, and they ran off in the ditch and got it stuck. And he said, don't worry about it. He said, go get my mule, and he'll pull it out. So he brought the mule up there, led it up there, got it all hitched up to the car. He said, what's that mule's name? He said, its name's Bud. He said, oh, okay. He said, back up there. He said, I'm fixing to put him to work. And he said, pull, Sally. Pull, Fred. Pull, Rufus. Finally, he said, pull, bud. And about that time, man, it took the slack out of that harness and took off and yanked that car, one jerk, right out of the ditch. He said, what? He said, I thought you said that, that mule's name was Bud. Why would you mention all those other names? He said, you didn't, you didn't hear me say that mule's blind? He said, he just thinks he can pull a lot more when he thinks somebody's pulling with him. I'm going to tell you, a preacher can pull a lot more people out of the fires of hell if he's got a church that's pulling with him. We need a church that every service you're pulling, you're pulling, you're pulling, you're pulling with the preaching, you're pulling with the music, you're pulling. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet right now and let's clap our hands to the Lord and let's give some praise. do our best. I mean, when that preaching is winding up, getting towards that altar service, I'm going to tell you, a lot of people, they talk about the preaching, that's the most important part of the service. Really, it is up until that point. But the most important part of the service, really, is the altar service, because it's what we do with the Word of God is the most important thing, and how we respond to it. And I'm going to tell you, when the altar invitation is given, we got to eliminate every distraction we got to do our best. That's the absolute worst time to go to the restroom. That's the absolute worst time to do something else or to be talking to somebody. What about when the preaching's going forth? We're talking about souls hanging in the balances, and we got people on Facebook. Come on, we can do better than that. We can do better than that. You need to get off your cell phone and get into the Word of God and what's going on in this Hallelujah. Praise God. And 
unnecessary in and out and all of that kind of stuff. I understand we got kids and we got situations and we got to take them out and those kinds of things. Please take them out. But eliminate as much distraction as you possibly can. And when that altar altar service comes and altar invitation is given, most everybody here, you received the Holy Ghost when somebody was there with you, encouraging you, praying with you, helping you. You agree? You got the Holy Ghost. Somebody was there with you. I know there's cases where people get the Holy Ghost at home and on their own and that kind of thing, and I'm not minimizing that. God's able to do that. But most of us, and the majority of the time, it's people helping us, being an example to us, teaching us how, how to yield to God. People come in, they don't know how to pray. They need you praying with them as an example. Come on, repent of your sins. And then we, 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 we start kind of repenting beside them and letting them know how to do it. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing disingenuous about that. And then after they've done that and we start pointing them towards having faith that God's going to fill them with the Holy Ghost and the same faith it takes for you to get forgiveness of sins is the same faith it's going to take for you to be filled with the Spirit. And all you got to do is open up your heart and begin to worship God. And we start worshiping the Lord. They don't know anything about worshiping God sometimes, but we start telling them, just tell him how much you love him. Tell him how much you're thankful for him forgiving you of your sins. Thank him in advance for giving you the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, they go from speaking English to a heavenly language. Why? Because somebody was sensitive. The bride said, come. Not just, not just the Spirit, but, but the bride got in tandem with the Spirit of God and said, come. Come on, I'm pulling with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's important that we be willing to work the altars. I know we're in a pandemic and all this kind of stuff, but don't allow it to destroy the ability for God to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. We've got to do our best, folks. We've got to lean into the situation, do our best, because the world is stirred up, and they're uncertain. And if the church just acts like the rest of the world, then we're, there's going to be a lot of people that's going to miss their opportunity and the visitation from God. So we've got to lean into it, and we've got to do our best to reach people and reach a world that is lost and undone without God. And that means being available in the office. If when the altar invitation is given, you, you, you see that as an opportunity just to leave, first of all, do you, I want you to understand how much effort goes into a church service for us just to kind of let it like water off a duck's back, just leave out. It's like nothing. You need to come to the altar, first of all. I said you need to come to the altar, first of all. Preachers agonized and prayed and fasted and sought God and studied and prepared and taken hours to do so. You just kind of shrug it off? No, let's, let's don't do that. Let's say, God, if you're speaking, I want to make sure I got everything you were saying. I want to hear from heaven. Hallelujah. Does anybody want to be used of God? Anybody want the Spirit to use you? You want to be a part of the bride that says, come on, sinner, we're here for you. Come on, sinner, we want to help you. 
Come on, let's let's step out where we are, if you would. Make your way as close to this altar as you can. Say, God, I want you to use me. I want you to use me. I want you to use me. I thank you, God. 